بسم اللہ الحمد للہ وسلاۃ وسلام اللہ رسول اللہ ولی وصحابی اجمائین اما بعد فاعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رب شرحلی صدری ویسر علی عمری وحل العقدم السانی افق قولی السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ منڈیبین سسٹرز اینڈ ویلکم ٹو ندر ایپیسوڈ آف مسلم ان سائڈ ود می راجہ ضیاء الحق ٹوڈے ان شاء اللہ وی گوئنگ ٹو کنٹینیو ود آر ڈسکشن آن لبرلزم اینڈ لبرل فلاسفی اینڈ I'll just do a brief recap of what we talked about yesterday. We talked about um, how uh, liberalism came about or the history of liberalism, how it began. And we saw that it began as a movement that came out from Europe uh, based upon their own experiences with the church, with the kings at the time. And so they basically they got rid of the church and the kings uh, in a revolution style manner whereby there was a mass killings and mass executions uh, because people were absolutely fed up with what the church was feeding them and what uh, the oppression was being done to them by the kings themselves so as a result of that as a reactionary movement to all of that they basically rejected outright religion and they just said that you know anyone who now talks about god who talks about uh, the hereafter who talks about the soul is somebody who we will consider to be a lunatic who basically destroyed us before and now we're going to move towards materialism now we want to move towards a world where only things that matter are material things uh whether they be from science or wealth power authority all of those things are really important everything else which is you know metaphysical spiritual you know talking about these things these things are not important so this is how there was a huge world view shift basically europe had a complete shift in ideology uh, from the middle ages to the renaissance period it was a huge shift so the world view became now that it's not important what you believe in it's not important what you believe in you could believe in god or you could believe in the tooth fairy or you could believe in unicorns it doesn't matter from the islamic perspective that's a very dangerous statement by the way because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the quran he tells us that can the one who is blind and the one who sees be the same can the one who believes in allah and the one who doesn't believe in allah be the same and the truth of the matter is they can't because we've already discussed the implications of atheism if a person believes in god almighty and believes in accountability automatically his actions will be affected by that whereas a person who does not believe in god does not believe in accountability does not believe in any kind of uh you know afterlife or that there will be justice that will be served obviously this person's behavior his actions are going to change because this person knows that this is the only life i have so from that perspective a person who does not believe in god knows that this is the only life there is no hereafter because i told you previously that they eliminated god hereafter and the soul from the entire discourse these things were removed so a person who is only focusing on this world for that person this life is all that they have and this also links me back to you know the problem of evil thing that we talked about a few episodes ago that you know a person who believes that there is no afterlife for that person happiness in this life is a big deal because this is the only life you have just think about this, this is a very subtle point but very important a person who does not believe in the afterlife does not believe in the hereafter for that person this is the only life they have and maximization of pleasure becomes the top most priority in this life so if you go through difficulty or suffering and what have you in this life then automatically that becomes a huge problem 
Whereas a person whose focus is not this dunya, but it's the akhirah, it's the hereafter. For that person, he knows that this life is temporary. This life is going to finish. My real life is going to be in paradise, inshallah. It's, it's going to be the life of the hereafter. This life is just a testing ground. I'm just being tested. This is simply the examination hall. My real life is what's going to come afterwards. So even if I suffer something in this life, it's not a big deal because I'll get its reward in the hereafter. So a person who believes in the hereafter is a happier person, is a more satisfied person all over, you know, because from a holistic perspective, that person is far more happier. Even with difficulties coming their way, they realize these difficulties are not the main thing here. Like imagine you going from city A to city B. Your destination is city B, right? And on the way, you stop over somewhere to, you know, get some gas in your car, to get something to eat and so on, right? So at that gas station, you face some problem. For example, let's suppose that the washrooms were not that good. Or maybe you didn't find the drink that you were looking for. You found some other brand or some other kind of flavor, which you don't really like that much, but you know, it does the job. So you weren't really that satisfied. But the thing is, if your focus is just that gas station, then that's going to be a huge problem for you. If your only focus in life is that gas station and living in that gas station, then not getting the drink that you wanted is going to be a huge problem. Not having good washrooms is going to be a huge problem. But if your focus is to get to destination B, which is where you had to go in the first place, then stopping over at that gas station and not getting what you really wanted is not going to bother you that much. So my dear brothers and sisters, you have to understand that there is an entire worldview change that took place with the advent of liberal philosophy that Europe basically went through. And then that was brought over to Pakistan as well and the subcontinent. So having said that, let's focus now on something that's very important. What happened to our education system? Let's focus on that for a little while. What happened to our education system? We see that when Europe decided to colonize other countries, whether it was the subcontinent or it was in South America or parts of Africa, wherever they went, they took their worldview with them and they took their education with them because now the objective was for the colonizers that they wanted that whenever they go, so it was a purely political thing, by the way, it's a purely political thing because why did the West decide to teach everybody about liberalism? Why did the West decide to teach everybody, literally shove liberalism down everyone's throat, literally by the sword? Yes, literally by the sword. Spreading liberalism by the sword. Why did the West decide to do that? Because they were colonizers at that time. They were trying to gain more and more power. They say power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So they wanted that whichever country they go to, and they colonize it, they should be greeted with open arms and they should be viewed as saviors who have come to liberate us from the shackles of our own customs and traditions. So when Christopher Columbus discovered America, it's a funny thing to say by the way, because when he reached North America, there were already Native Americans already living there, who they used to call Red Indians. They were already living there. It's not like Christopher discovered America. America was already discovered by the Native Americans at that time. When other European 
Nations went into South America. South America was already discovered. The Aztecs and the Mayans were proper civilizations already living there. But no, now Europe comes in to liberate all of them, to civilize these savages, as they would call it in their books and in their texts and in the scriptures. They would write about this, that we have to civilize these savages, civilize their women, civilize their men, and this type of rhetoric you'll find in their books. So the thing is that this is how liberalism was spread. And the reason was that they wanted the least amount of resistance as humanly possible. Because if you came into the subcontinent and you told the Muslims here that your religion is false and we want to change it, uh, you would have a war on your hands. The natives would not take very easily to this. So what could we do or what should we say? We'll say, okay, how about we take your religion and we just make it a little bit more liberal. How about that? How about we change certain aspects of your religion and make it modernized to fit with the times? How about we take your religion and remove some of the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say that, look, if you want to worship Allah, you want to worship God Almighty, you can do so in your house. Nobody's stopping you. You want to pray, you want to fast the month of Ramadan, you want to go for Hajj, feel free to do so, no problem. But you see, when it comes to the laws and the rules and regulations, then let us decide what those are. So it's kind of like a trade-off that took place. So this was the motive behind spreading liberalism to different parts of the world. Now looking at the education system, we find that one of the greatest tools to spread liberalism was through, in fact, the education system. So look at the education system we have right now the current education system we have right now. How much importance do we, play, uh, do we pay actually? Or what is the role of um, religious study in our curriculum right now? We focus on the languages. So for example, if it's the English language, the Urdu language, or whatever language that you're studying, there would be a focus on math, physics, chemistry, biology, computer science, accounts, perhaps, you know, different levels of, um, for example, history, geography, all of these subjects are there. And if at all, if you study something to do with religion, that subject is going to be a very, very minor subject. Speaking of Pakistan itself, we have the Islamic studies uh, course that's included as part of the curriculum, but that is a 50 mark subject. All the other subjects are 100 marks each, but this one is 50 marks. And even if you fail it for some reason, you still get to go on to the next grade. You're still promoted to, to the next grade. But if, God forbid, you, fo you actually fail in mathematics or English, you cannot move on to the next grade. You simply have to repeat that grade all over again. So this is what we find happened to the actual curriculum that we have now. That in, in our eyes, it's, it has very little significance. To the point that I remember doing my O-levels, and I remember that in my O-levels we had... Um, about eight different books of the English language in about two and a half years that I was in O-levels. In two and a half years, we studied about eight books of English language. We studied four books, very thick books, uh, might I add, of mathematics, two books of physics, two of chemistry, two of biology. And we had uh, other subjects as well, for example. And now, when you look at, for example, Islamic studies, Islamic studies was one very thin book throughout the two and a half years. So you could see just by the size of the books, 
that where does our priority lie? And in, for example, mathematics, we were studying very, very complex equations. And in physics, we were studying all sorts of stuff. But when it came to Islamic studies, we were studying still the basics at all levels. We were still studying the basics. So you find this very huge contrast between the importance we give to religious knowledge versus the importance we give to scientific or the worldly knowledge. So again, I'm not against people learning science or math or English. Rather, I'm for that. I support that. But my only concern is that if we were to even give half the importance to religious knowledge and study or half the importance to reveal knowledge, I think it would make a world a better place. Because it is that revealed knowledge that teaches us the ethical character, moral values that helps to build a society and make people as decent human beings. Whereas with the implications of atheism, we saw that how morality or ethics basically it goes out the window because you have no objective standard of ethics and morality. So now the education system has such that even though we might be living in Pakistan and if, if, if you are from a Muslim family, you know, you can do the social experiment at your own expense in your own house, right? If you were to go to your parents, you being from a Muslim family, your parents being Muslims, being people who love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who claim to love the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. If you were to go to them today and ask them that, you know, I've studied the worldly knowledge for the last 10 years or 12 years or 15 years. I'm deciding that, you know, now I want to focus more on uh, God. I want to focus on the hereafter and I want to focus on studying about the soul. I want to take a break from my worldly education and I want to study this for a few years. If your parents, God forbid, won't get a heart attack after this, they will not get anything less than that either. And I've seen this time and time again, whenever Muslims, Muslim young boys and girls tell their parents that, you know, now I want to study Islam. I want to study about God. I want to learn about him. I want to learn about the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. I want to follow in his way. I want to take a break from my worldly education because I've already spent 15 years of my life or 16 years of my life studying this stuff, math, chemistry, physics, biology, this, that. I've spent so many years. I just want to take maybe two years out to study about Allah, about Rasulullah. And the parents are nearly having a heart attack, although they're still Muslims. This shows you how much we have been brainwashed because even though we claim to be Muslims, we are still at, uh, attributing um, success to worldly education and failure to religious education. Anyone who comes to us, like just imagine that two people walk in through the door. Two people walk into your house. One guy is a very suited, booted, you know, wearing the Gucci uh, suit and uh, very nice shoes and wearing the Rolex watch. And he's got a BMW parked outside and he comes in, automatically he gets all of our attention. As opposed to an old man walks in, wearing uh, very normal clothes, very normal clothes. And this guy happens to be an alim, he happens to be a scholar of Islam, who's been studying and teaching this for 50 years. But he looks like a very you know, humble sort of a person. Automatically our focus, everybody's focus. Two of these guys walk into a restaurant, what happens? everybody's attention goes to the guy with the Gucci suit and the Rolex watch and the BMW parked outside. Nobody gives the old man even a second look.
Why? Because our priorities have been changed. Our priorities have already been set for us. Our priority, our focus, even of education is not to, you know, develop our intellect and to become people of reason and rationality and logic. Rather, the purpose of education is to get a job, to earn money. And the better institute you go to, the better your chances of getting a good job and a good salary. And the better your chances of earning lots of money and having a good livelihood and to be able to provide for your family and to be able to afford all the luxuries of life and to have a good quality of life because we've been brainwashed to thinking that this is the only life we have. What I'm saying to you right now is very, very important and these are very fundamental things that we have to understand about our society right now. Our society is pre-programmed, has been designed in a way after this liberal uh, import that we have witnessed all over the world, in different parts of the world, in various countries, that our objective in life is to earn lots of money so that we can buy lots of things so that we can be happy. Earn lots of money, buy lots of things, you will be happy. This is success. A person who goes to a, a good school is expected to get a good job and a good salary and a good quality of life and good success. Whereas the idea of success, as far as Allah is concerned, is very different from this. Success in dunya, we don't say destroy yourself in dunya. No, you can have a good lifestyle here. But the ultimate success is to be saved from the fire and to be able to enter into Jannah, to, in, in, into, to be able to enter into paradise. So we, we say, we make this dua, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina zabanar. Even if you earn trillions of dollars in this world, yet you end up in the hellfire, how is that success? End up in the hellfire forever. Khalidina fiha abada. How is that success? That's not success, that's the ultimate failure. Because the life of this world compared to the hereafter is nothing. It's insignificant. Because that life is infinity. It's never ending. Absolute, eternal. This life is very temporary. So the thing is, our focus right now even though we are Muslims, we have been, our thoughts have been made liberal. We have been taken on a ride. And now our worldview has changed to the point that even if we claim to love Allah and Rasulullah our actions are contrary to that. Our actions are purely pursuing dunya. So that's one thing that I gave you an example of. Let me give you another example. Imagine that If you're a woman, then in your case, or if, if, you're, if you have, for example, a sister in your house, or if you have a daughter, imagine that a proposal comes for you, right? A proposal comes for you. And the guy who's proposing, he is actually somebody who is a farmer, or like a, basically a peasant, and is not very well off at all, he barely makes his ends meet, but the person is of very good character. As a matter of fact, people testify to the character of this person. The character of this person, they say, is very nice. The person is very honest, very humble, uh, very righteous, and somebody who is very loving and caring and compassionate. But he is not educated. He does not know how to read or write. And... Uh, he has a very normal kind of a, 
uh, a farm where he basically attends to sheep and uh, grows some things and so on and so forth. That's basically, in, in a nutshell, who the guy is. Question is, would you accept this proposal coming from this guy? Somebody who's not financially well off, somebody who's not financially stable, as we now expect people to be, but very good character, exceptional character, exceptional personality. Before even this matter goes to your parents, I think the woman herself would reject it based upon the fact that, you know, okay, fine, he's got good personality, good character, but what, what I was looking for was somebody who can, you know, look after my needs as well and all of that stuff. And even if you accept it by some miracle, even if you accept it, your parents will find it very, very hard to accept this proposal at, if they would consider it even at all. We all claim to love the Prophet ﷺ. We say we love him more than we love ourselves. We love him more than every single thing in, on this planet. Yet, we don't want a person like that. N not that anybody can be like the Prophet ﷺ. We don't want a person who is following in his footsteps to marry us or our sister or our daughter. Because we have been brainwashed and conditioned to believe that success is all about getting more money in this life. We have been brainwashed. Believe it or not, we've been brainwashed. Over, it took about 200 years or so. It took about 200 years of brainwashing. Us, our parents, their parents, and before that. And slowly but surely, the brainwashing has gone on through the formal education system, through the movies and the music and the film and the drama and the celebrity culture that we've been watching for years and years now, we have now believed that success, happiness is all about materialism, is all about acquiring wealth and money and power. That is why we do not want to marry someone or have our family members marry someone who might be of exceptional character but doesn't earn that much. Because the first question we ask for any proposal is how much does the guy earn? How much is he worth? That's the first question we have. So we need to investigate what kind of Muslims we really are. Let me give you another question. Imagine that if you go to your parents and you say that, you know, I want to become uh, a national poet who is going to revive the dead hearts of people. We all claim to love Allama Iqbal, right? And we know that he came to wake up the people from their slumber and make them realize that the West is not your solution. You have to go back to your roots. You have to go back to Islam. You have to go back to the ways of the Prophet Sallallahu and his companions. He wanted to make us realize that. He wanted us to wake up to this reality because he was a person who had also been to the West. And he had realized that the West, what the plans of the West are, how they're trying to change um, the Muslim mindset. So he came to wake us up and so he was a poet. Now the thing is, and he was a philosopher, he was a very deep thinker. If now somebody wants to become that, people would snub him, criticize him, ridicule him, mock him and literally kick him out of society. Why? Because how much are you going to earn as a poet? It's everything's about money now. Every single thing is about materialism. So basically, the one of the children of liberalism is materialism. 
and individualism. Everybody is just focused upon acquiring wealth. And this is why we find that in our society, uh, although we claim to be Muslims, our actions suggest otherwise. Our actions show to us that those people who were truly connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, people who were pious and righteous, we don't want to be like that. We would rather be like the celebrity who is earning lots of money and driving nice cars and living in a nice house. You know, we emulate those people. Those are the people who we give respect to. Do we respect the scholars of our community or do we respect the celebrities? How many followers do the scholars have? How many followers do random celebrities have who've just, who, whose only claim to fame is that they can play a certain sport or sing and dance or act in certain things? That's their only claim to fame. And yet these are the people who are the most sought after because our entire mindset has become liberal. So this is basically where we are at this point in time. But before things get very depressing, I want to, inshallah, um, mention one of the questions, which is that a lot of times people will say that, you know, um, as long as I'm a good person, um, that's all that should really matter. Fine, I'm earning for myself, I'm earning a decent salary, I've got a good job, I'm a nice guy. So do I really need to believe in God to be a nice guy? And so this is also one of the offshoots of liberalism, of liberal thought actually, that people would ask this question, that do I even need God in order to be a nice person? Meaning that you could be of any faith, you could believe in God, you could not believe in God, you could believe in multiple gods, who cares? As long as you're just basically doing the same rat race as everybody else and just doing a bit of things here and there, then that makes you a good person. One of the American authors, he mentions that the problem with the rat race is that even if you win, you're still a rat because of your low goals that you've set for yourself in life. That you're part of this rat race, trying to be better than, you know, they say keeping up with the Joneses trying to be better than your neighbor in terms of material wealth. So our whole society is now focused on that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, he tells us that those people who believe and do righteous good deeds, for them is jannat and dajareem and takht al-anhar. For them there is gardens underneath which rivers flow. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, inna al-islam. The only religion before Allah is Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to accept any ism, schism, religion from you. The only way of life that is acceptable to Allah is to submit and surrender before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the only lifestyle, which is Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to accept any kind of belief that a person comes out with. It's not just enough to be born a Muslim. You have to live as a Muslim and die as a Muslim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, O oh, you who believe, Fear Allah as, as he should be feared and die not, except that you die as Muslims. People who submit and surrender to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who say that I know that Allah is the only one worthy worship. I know that the Quran is the word of God. I know that the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, is the last and final messenger. And because I know these things, I have evidence for these things, therefore whatever Allah says, I will do that. Whether I like it or I don't like it, I will follow whatever Allah has told me to do. This is the Muslim worldview. And the liberal mindset, I've already told you, is a mindset whereby you're basically at liberty to do what you like. To earn the way you like, to have whatever kind of relationships you like, basically fulfill your own desires. 
and live in this materialistic world by the end of which you have nothing for the hereafter because your entire life was focused on just earning for the now just earning for the here and the now so guys this is in a nutshell what liberalism leads to inshallah tomorrow we will uh, discuss this further because this topic of liberalism inshallah i'm trying that we can understand it conceptually so we understand what are the implications of liberal thought in our world right now and inshallah we need to get rid of this liberal philosophy and apply and adopt the philosophy of islam inshallah i make dua for you guys and for myself that may allah subhanahu give us tawfiq to follow in the footsteps of the prophet muhammad peace and blessings be upon him may allah subhanahu forgive us for our sins and our transgressions and may he enter all of us in jannatul firdaus al-ala i will inshallah see you guys tomorrow same time same channel until then do take care of yourselves wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh